This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. Also via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This podcast is also available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and at warfradio.com. Or just Google search Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. On this episode, we'll have a quick recap of the AFLW draft, which was held on Tuesday night, October 6th. And we'll preview the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Grand Final with Holly Graham of the Manly Warringah Wolves and Melissa Freckleton and Michaelia Ekman of the Inner West Magpies. Plus, we'll preview the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final with Balcona Magpies coach Bobby Maroney and captain of the Quimbian Tigers, Carly Rez. But first, the latest women's footy news. Just a couple of brief items for our women's footy news for this week, and it's good news for Victorian AFLW players. Now, as we're all aware, when the AFLW season uh, got cut short and stopped after one week of finals back in March, the NAB League girls' season was uh, cancelled after just three rounds. And, of course, we lost the entire VFLW season and all community football across all age levels in Victoria due to the COVID-19 outbreak here. Well, they can at least recommence training again. That's the Victorian AFLW players. Uh, The Victorian state government have classified them as high-performance and professional athletes. They'll be able to return to their club, uh, albeit training in small groups up to three times a week on a voluntary basis. And the draftees, which were selected last night, will be able to join them in that training session, obviously before official pre-season training kicks off next month. Across to the United States, of course, uh, we'd normally be there now uh, getting ready for what would have been the USAFL National Tournament in Ontario, California this weekend. As we know, back in July when we last spoke to Brian Barish, the tournament was cancelled due to the high number of COVID-19 cases there in North America. Well, to try and keep the community together, they're doing a USAFL virtual national tournament. And that is teams will be submitting videos to compete against each other and it'll all be done in a virtual presentation with uh, Brian Barish and Brad Johnson, of course, you know, from the Western Bulldogs and Fox Footy as well. Uh, they'll be hosting it on Friday night, October 16th. That is US time or Saturday morning here in Australia. Now, there will be the uh, USAFL fastest man and woman races. There'll be a quick contest for both men and women naturally and both the men and women's team fitness challenge all the details are on usafl.com forward slash virtual dash nationals and again here's brian barris speaking about it briefly uh, on our podcast back in july are doing fitness challenges and whatnot just to kind of keep everybody focused and keep everybody engaged as a, as a community <laughs> Before we take a look at the AFLW draftees taken on Tuesday night, it's time for our scoreboard check where we check in with the state leagues from around Australia and who beat who over the weekend and the coming fixture for this weekend. Over in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, the East Coast Eagles 4-3-27 went down in an upset to the Inner West Magpies 6-5-41 and that sets up the grand final this weekend, Saturday 10th of October at Cambridge over one 45pm bounce down between the Manly Warringah Wolves and the Inner West Magpies. We'll be speaking to Holly from the Manly Warringah Wolves 
and uh, Melissa and uh, Mickey from the Inner West Magpies very shortly. Do stick around for that. The AFL Canberra Senior First Grade Women's uh, Competition Preliminary Final held over the weekend. Balcona Magpies 9761 defeating the Eastlake Demons. 4-7-31. That has set up a grand final replay. They met last year. They'll meet again this year. Will Quimbian go back-to-back or will Balconnen get revenge? 6.30pm Saturday, 10th of October at uh, Gungarland Enclosed Oval. Quimbian versus Balconnen. Across to the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition. Final round played over the weekend. North Launceston, two behinds going down to Glenorchy, 8-17-65. Clarence Tigers and Launceston all having the bye. And that has set up a final series where it's 1v4 and 2v3 for the right to go straight through to the grand final. Uh, both games on Saturday, 9.30am at Winter Park, Launceston versus North Launceston. And 12pm at Abbotsford Park, Abbotsfield Park rather, Glenorchy versus Clarence. And the NTFL women's competition is kicked off for the 2021 season. Of course, they play over the uh, summer up there in Darwin in the wet season. And uh, round one action saw Wanderers 2-2-14 go down to St. Mary's 11-11-77. Uh, Pint... 8-9-57 defeated the Southern District's Crocs, 1-3-9. Nycliffe, 16-14-110. Wallop, Tracy Village, just the two behinds. Waratah, 6-6-42, defeated Palmerston, just the one behind. And the Darwin Baffets had the bye. Round two action is uh, this Saturday. All games on the Saturday. 12 p.m. at Darwin Mazda, Nycliffe Oval, Nycliffe versus uh, Waratah. 2 p.m. at Tracy Village, Tracy Village versus Wanderers. 4 p.m. at DXC Arena, it's uh, Pint versus St. Mary's. And 6 p.m. at the TIO Oval, number two, Darwin Buffett versus Southern Districts Crocs, Palmerston Magpies with the bye. And that's the results and fixtures from around the women's state leagues. So last night, Tuesday, October 6th, the 2020 AFLW draft was held. Dreams made for more than 50 young women. And we begin by going club by club. And we look at the Richmond Football Club, where the number one pick for them and overall was Ali McKenzie of the Northern Knights. And here's Ali speaking to the AFL Women's website. Oh, obviously it was, um, it's been my dream to get drafted. So um, definitely a lot of emotion um, when my name got read out. And um, I'm just so stoked to be at the Richmond Football Club. It's been, as I said, just a massive dream for me. So I'm really thankful that they've picked me. Richmond's second pick was WNBL basketballer Tessa Levy and their third pick, Luca Leoski-Hay from the Geelong Falcons. She was also on the Richmond VFLW list. To the Western Bulldogs, they took Jess Fitzgerald of the Northern Knights as their first pick. Here's Jess speaking with coach Nathan Burke, courtesy of the Western Bulldogs social media. Welcome to the dogs. Thanks, Becky. Oh, man. That was so easy. <laughs> oh, thank you enough. No, no, we, um, yeah, we, we've obviously from last year had our eye on you from a, a long way out, and um, knowing the type of person you are and the type of footballer you are, you'll fit perfectly in with our group, and um, you really make us a lot better. So we're we're so excited to have you, Fitzy. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm so keen to get down there. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
With their second pick, they took Sarah Hartwig from the Sandringham Dragons. And with their third pick, Isabel Pritchard from the Western Jets. Across to the West Coast Eagles, with their first pick, number three overall, they took Bella Lewis from Claremont. Here's Bella speaking with Dana Hooker. Congratulations, Bella. Welcome to the West Coast Eagles. We're so excited to have you on board. How does it feel? Yeah, really surreal. Um, it's been a long road winding up to this point, um, and I'm just really excited to be here. We're excited to have you, and you're part of the AFLW High Performance Academy, so you train with us a fair bit leading into this. Um, what did you enjoy about training with us? Yeah, I loved it. I think it you know, gave me a real sense of what it would be like to be on an actual AFLW list. Um, it's such a step up you know, from the Waffle W environment, and you guys were really welcoming and really wanted to get down to it when it mattered. So. With their third pick, they took Shanae Davidson of Swan Districts. With their second pick, Julianne Norrish from East Fremantle. Their fourth pick, Andrea Gilmore from Claremont. And they pass on their fifth and sixth pick. That allows them the option of speaking to any players from outside of the WA draft pool. So watch this space for those final two spots to be filled. Continuing our club-by-club club look, and the Adelaide Crows had the fourth pick overall. Their first pick was Tia Charlton from South Adelaide. Their second pick, Rochelle Martin from West Adelaide. And their third pick, Ashley Woodland, formerly on the Melbourne list. Uh, she was drafted out of North Adelaide. Going across to the fifth pick overall, and that was with the Melbourne Football Club. With their first pick, they took Alyssa Bannon from the Northern Knights. Their second pick, Eliza McNamara from the Sandringham Dragons. Their third pick, Maggie Karras from the GWV Rebels. Uh, from their fourth pick, uh, Megan Fitzsimmons from the Gippsland Power. Their fifth pick, Mietta Kendall from the Eastern Rangers. And their sixth and last pick, Isabella Simmons from the GWV Rebels. To the St Kilda Football Club and they picked up Tiana Smith who they would have expected to go second in the draft so they were happy for Tiana to fall all the way to pick number six out of the uh, Dandenong Stingrays. Alice Burke father-daughter selection. Sandringham Dragons she was officially taken out of pick 24 overall in the draft. The third pick for St Kilda, Renee Saltis out of the GWV Rebels we stumble on that one and their fourth pick, Jacqueline Voigt out of the Southern Saints VFLW program. They passed with pick 51. That opens up the option for them to picking a player from interstate through the free agency period. The seventh pick in the AFLW draft for 2020, their first overall for the Gold Coast, it was Anise Bradfield from Southport. And here's Anise speaking to the Gold Coast Football Club social media. Super stoked. Um, yeah, I think it just shows that hard work pays off. Great to see another chance in the AFLW for Sarah Perkins. She was taken by the Gold Coast with their second pick. Of course, Premiership Football at the Adelaide Crows and was a top-up player last year for Melbourne in the AFLW. Sarah heading up to Queensland, officially listed as being drafted out of Hawthorne VFLW. With their third pick, they took Medicine Levi from Bond University. Their fourth pick, Janet Baird from the NT Thunder and Palmerston Magpies. Their fifth pick, Lucy Single from Bond University. Their uh, sixth pick, Elizabeth Keeney, otherwise known as Best Keeney, out of the Southern Saints VFLW program. Then they took Daisy Darcy from Hermit Park, and their final pick was uh, 
Wallace Rendell from Bond University. To the Brisbane Lions with their first pick, they took Zimmy Farquharson from the Yoronga South Brisbane. Their second pick, Indy Tahu out of South Adelaide. And with the third pick, the 38th pick overall, Ruby Svark from the Essendon VFLW program. The GWS Giants enter the draft at pick number nine. And with their first pick, they took Tardy Evans of the Quimbian Tigers. Here's Tardy speaking with the AFL Women's website. Super excited. Um, just stoked and appreciative to be here. I think it's just an exciting time. With their second pick, they took Emily Peace of the Balconan Magpies. And with their third pick, Libby Graham of the Manly Warringah Wolves. Ironically, all three players playing in a grand final this Saturday. For the Geelong Football Club, they came in at the 10th pick overall. Their first pick, Darcy Maloney from the Geelong Falcons. With the second pick, Laura Gardner from the Geelong Falcons. Third pick, Olivia Barber from the Murray Bush Rangers. With the fourth pick, Stephanie Williams from the Geelong Falcons. And with their fifth pick, Carly Ramos from the Geelong Falcons. So staying, once again, very local for the Cats. Next in came the Carlton Football Club. They had three picks. Number 12 overall was their first pick. They took Mimi Hill out of the Oakley Chargers. Their second pick, Daisy Walker from the Sandringham Dragons. And with their third pick, Winnie Lane, also from the Sandringham Dragons. For the North Melbourne Football Club, they came in at pick 13. They took Bella Eddy out of the Sandringham Dragons with their second pick, Aliso Lachlan from the Oakley Chargers. With their third pick, they picked up a mature talent, Georgia Hammond, out of the Darabin Falcons VFLW program. With their fourth pick, Brooke Brown from Launceston. And, of course, with that father-daughter selection, they had Amy Smith from uh, Aberfeldy as their fifth pick overall. For the Fremantle Dockers, they came in at pick 14. They took Sarah Vieira from uh, Peel Thunder. At uh, pick 30, Michaelia Morrison from Central Districts. And great to see Tia Haynes with another chance in the AFLW, officially drafted out of Subiaco with uh, Fremantle's third pick. And finally, for the Collingwood Football Club, they had Tani Brown, a father-daughter selection taken with pick 19, officially out of the Eastern Rangers. With their second pick, Emilia Villado from the Western Jets. With their third pick, Joanna Lynn from the Oakley Chargers. Their fourth pick, Abby Maloney from the Sandringham Dragons. And they passed on their fifth pick again, allowing them the option of uh, looking at some interstate talent. And that's how the draft went for 2020. There's jumpers, hoodies, and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au. Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org.
And now on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast here on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. It's time to turn our attention towards the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Their grand final is this weekend. It's the minor premiers, the Manly Warringah Wolves, and they're up against fifth-placed Inner West Magpies. A bit of a surprise there. And to talk about the matchup, we've got on the line the captain of the Manly Warringah Wolves, Holly Graham. Holly, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Peter. And yourself? Not too bad at all, but I'm thinking you must be a bag of nerves as we start to count down the days, not only to just a grand final, but the first ever Premier Division grand final for the Manly Warringah Wolves. Yeah, absolutely. You're definitely correct there. Um, We're very, very excited about it, of course. Um, But of, of course, it comes with a lot of nerves as well. It's been a bit of a uh, a tough season, I guess, but we also didn't really expect to end up here with it being the our first year in Premier Division. So we're really pumped, but definitely, um, yeah, the nerves are showing. We had a training session last night and there was a lot of emotions flying around. So, um, yeah, I think we all can't wait until Saturday afternoon, that's for sure. Certainly a crazy season out of the blocks for the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division on two aspects. One, the obvious, COVID-19 stopping everything and then you're having a, a mid-year start and having a, a short uh, nine-game run. But amongst that, the, the Premier Division got expanded. You were one of the clubs to go up. So with a bunch of new clubs and some player movement as well, it's a very short space of time to try and figure out your opponents. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, actually the shortened season almost worked in our favour a little bit. Um, down at Manly, we managed to recruit a couple of really talented athletes from around the area who um, were actually moving back home and working back home in, in the local area down here in Manly. So that was a really positive thing for us, I think, um, although it's only a nine-game season, um, to recruit a few few extra players to help you boost your Premier Division side in your first year is a big, big benefit. Um, but again, you only play every team once. So... You don't have much chance to scope out um, yeah, your opposition, like you said. You just get one shot and you've got to make it count. And what a season it's been to finish on top of the table, just the, the one loss, to be minor premiers. And when you look through your list, barring you know, names like Emily Goodser and Lisa Steen, it's, it's not like, I guess, the East Coast Eagles the year before. It's not a side that's chock-a-block full of GWS Giants talent. It's a lot of local talent that's come together that's been consistent through the uh, lower divisions in years gone by and have seemed to have just carried that good form through this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of what we pride ourselves on down at Manly. We've got a really good core group of players who've played together for at least two or three seasons prior to this one. Um, so having the elite-level AFLW ta- talent come down um, it sort of just boosted us a little bit, but we were confident going into it um, with the group that we'd had because we have all played together for, for so long. Um, and we've also managed to bring up a couple of junior players from some of the local junior feeder clubs um, as well, which, which has also helped out. So, yeah, something that we pride ourselves on and um, the, the, the talent and the experience and knowledge that the AFLW girls bring is unbelievable. Um, we're super grateful for that. They've, they've really brought um, another level. So, yeah, we're, we're happy that that's sort of the approach that we take and it works and, um, you know, it, it also means that we really enjoy our footy at the same time.
Yes, one of the big names, and I do emphasize big uh, when it comes to Manly Warringah, is Aaron McKinnon. How could I forget the gentle giant who's uh, played eight games for you uh, this year? Can you talk us through two players, though, who have both uh, starred uh, seven times out of nine they've been named in the best, uh, Elizabeth Graham and Jessica Layton? Yeah, so um, Elizabeth Graham is um, one of our new recruits from... Um, a different club, actually. She came down this season with Lisa Steen, um, and she actually has high hopes of getting drafted in the draft tonight. So we have our fingers and toes crossed for her. Um, she's magnificent. She's she's a top defender. She plays centre-half back. Um, and like you said, she's been named in the best probably almost every week. Um, just a real passion for the game and a real intent with the way she plays. Um, and Jessica Layton, like, she goes by late. She um, she's actually one of the locals um, down here in Manly, and she's she only picked up the sport probably about two or three years ago. Um, but just a, a fantastic athlete um, with no fear whatsoever. Um, really courageous player who who's also a bit of a utility player. She can play through the backs or the midfield, um, and she often also slots a couple of goals up forward as well. So um, an all rounder. We're really lucky to have um, have both of them. Talking about slotting some goals, 14 goals for the year so far by Isabella Rudolph. Yeah, Isabella Rudolph, she um, had a stint in AFLW a couple of years ago as well, but she's actually originally from Manly and played um, in Manly as a junior. So she's um, the first first female player to come up through that junior senior pathway here in the Northern Beaches, which um, we're really proud of. Um, but she's had a cracker season. She doesn't miss many goals when she's got a set shot lining up in front. She's got a really, um, a really solid boot on her. So, yeah, we're we're hoping she can slot a couple more come Saturday afternoon. Let's talk about how the side's feeling coming into the finals. Some of the players that were starting to um, hit form, particularly coming out of the uh, major semi-final, where you beat the East Coast Eagles by a goal to go straight through the grand final. Uh, Caitlin Johnson named amongst the uh, best, as well as um, Andrea, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Rodidus. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, um Andrea is actually another player that's come to us from another club this season after moving back home to the Northern Beaches. Um, a, another fantastic athlete. She She's our um, one of our main wingers. Um, she just reads a play and can run all day long. Um, she's fantastic. And Caitlin Johnson actually played the majority of the season in, in defence and has just been moved up to, to full forward for the last, maybe two weeks, um, so a bit of a big change, um, but it brings another tall forward down down there for us, um, and with a bit of a defensive mindset, she's quite good with the defensive transition when that comes comes back out, so yeah, those two players are in red hot form, um, and yeah, we'll be playing forwards and, and wing again um, come Saturday. So your only loss of the year was to the East Coast Eagles. And as we said, you beat them in the major semi-final by a goal in a very tight contest all day. And then all of a sudden you find out the weekend just gone, the East Coast Eagles get knocked off in a big surprise by the Inner West Magpies. Well, what does that do to your thinking? I'm, I'm guessing at that point, it's not obviously a, a guaranteed lock, but you're thinking, right, we're ready to go against the Eagles. Then, oh, hang on, no, uh, we've got an opponent we probably weren't expecting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To be honest, we weren't quite sure how it would work out um, with that game on the weekend. Both of those teams had a couple of injuries, um, but they're both really tough guys. Um, I think, 
yeah, like you say, we've played the Inner West Magpies once during the year and we played them in a practice match at the very start. Um, but uh, we did beat them during the home and away season, but it was also a very, very tough match. So they're quite quite skilled, have a lot of experience um, and a really, really tough side. Um, so, yeah, we were a little bit surprised, but in saying that, you know, no matter which opponent we were going to get, um, it's, it's definitely going to be a really, really tough match. Um, we, we just have to go into it with the same mindset. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can repeat um, what, we, what we did during the home and away season. Yeah, they've got some experience there. 150 Gamer and uh, Melissa Freckleton, some speed through the likes of B Hand and Kasim. And uh, a big job for your defence as well, having to try and uh, keep a lock on uh, a GWS Giants player, Beck Prepatelli. Mm. Yeah, definitely. She um, she is fantastic in the air. You can almost guarantee that she'll get everything in the air. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to um, stick really tight to her in the forward line. Um, and also, in saying that, not forget about the other forwards as well. Um, sometimes she can almost play as a bit of a decoy um, and you forget forget about the other girls that are also in the forward line. Um, but, yeah, she actually, I actually went out to the game on the weekend and she had a crack game. Um, took some amazing marks and kicked some some really good goals when they needed it. She's pretty once once the ball's in the forward fifty, if it's in her her hands, ninety nine percent of the time it's going to go through the goals. So yeah, yeah, that's going to be a really tough matchup. Being the minor premiers, it meant that you had two buys during the finals. Obviously, you had the major semi-final having to wait what happened in the elimination and qualifying finals, and by beating East Coast, you got the week off again to go straight through the grand final. Normally in a longer season, when you would have played something like 14 or more games, uh, it can be welcome to have those couple of buys, to have enough time to get over injuries, freshen yourself up and get back into it. What's it like, though, with those buys when you've had a shortened season? What has been the approach to those week offs? Has it been a more intense training session to try and make up for not having that match? Yeah, look, it's funny you say that because, um, to be honest, we've probably almost had the same number of injuries in this shortened season than we would have had in the regular season. Um, and they sort of all came at the same time as well, three-quarters of the way through the season. So the first week where we had the bye was actually, um, yeah, was much needed for, for some of the injuries just to, to rest up for that extra seven days. Um, and it meant that those girls were then cleared to play that first semi-final against East Coast Eagles. Um, and then this this second um, second bye, we've we sort of had a, a lighter week of training, I guess, last week, um, just to keep it a little bit fun and enjoyable. Um, and then this week has been it's been a little bit heavier um, thus far. Uh, but we sort of find that we don't actually change up the intensity of training too much. Um, we try and keep a bit of a, more of a consistent routine. Um, to our Monday, Wednesday trainings um, and always keep it fun as well. So we're, we're enjoying our, our footy. And how are the club planning for the big occasion uh, this Saturday, um, uh, taking on Inner West down at Cambridge Oval? Um, is it uh, Menland Warringah's only side uh, there on the day? And uh, if so, uh, what's the support like from uh, uh, not only the boys, but obviously the junior side of the club as well as, uh, as I guess you're on the big stage? Yeah, yeah, we, um, we're really looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a little bit different this year with the current COVID restrictions. So we're, we're only allowed to actually take 100 people with us into the ground and that includes players and officials. 
So um, we're sort of working through a couple of different options where we might be able to um, play it live on, on a big screen down back at our um, home ground at, at Manly um, for supporters to come and watch or have a couple of little hubs around the area playing it on live screens. Um, of course, if we didn't have the COVID restrictions, um, all the, the, the junior clubs and um, our, our men's sides and our other women's sides in the club would definitely be, be down at the ground to watch. But it's going to be a little bit different this year with, with only 200 people allowed in Cambridge Oval. So it might be a bit quiet. I don't really know. It depends how loud those 200 people are, I guess. And finally, what would it mean to you personally should uh, the siren sound around about four o'clock on Saturday afternoon and there you are holding the cup aloft and you're then known as Holly Graham, Premiership captain of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division? Oh, it would mean absolutely everything. I think um, last year we we just got pipped at the post in the grand final in Division 1 and it... um, yeah, it was absolutely devastating for everybody, particularly myself and um, two other players at that time who had played since the beginning um, of the Mandaringa women's team down here in, from 2014. So, yeah, we've been working really hard um, for a good couple of years and, and going in with a bit of form um, and confidence and belief that we can do it. Um, yeah, it, it would just mean everything um, and make it all sort of worthwhile to bring home that, that first cup for Mandaringa women's um, AFL for first time ever, really. Well, Holly, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. And we wish you and the Manly Warringah Wolves all the very best as you take on the Inner West Magpies Saturday at Cambridge Oval in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Grand Final. Thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate the chat. And joining us now on the line on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival as we continue our preview of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division Grand Final. We speak with the Inner West Magpies and we've got on the line Michaelia Ekman and Melissa Freckleton. Ladies, how are you? Yeah, we're good, thanks. Good morning, Peter. Great to have you both on the line. Now, I want to pick out Freckles for a moment first. Melissa Freckleton, um, around this time last year, as we record, we're we're about to head into uh, the next version of the AFLW draft. Three years ago on this day, you were nervously waiting to see if your name would be called out in the draft. Um, It would be taken a day later by the GWS Giants. But out of all places, you heard the news in California. Yeah, I was... uh overseas on a bit of a uh, tour kind of thing that we were doing over there and yeah Alan gave me the call at oh gosh I can't remember I think it was either really late at night or really early in the morning and yeah it was pretty exciting it was pretty crazy and of course that tour was with the Aussie Sparks and a few days later they would uh, play against the Americans in San Diego uh, coached on the day by Fremantle captain uh, Cara Antonio and uh, another AFLW footballer Emily Maguire played in that game. Ladies, let's talk about present day. Um, I'll begin with you first, Mickey. Um, how's this season, first of all, been? Considering, obviously, you're normally preparing your body for something like a 14-15 game run plus finals, but everything being on pause, waiting to the middle of the year until, at least in New South Wales, you got the green light to commence football again. It's certainly been an interesting pre-season. Uh, we started back in October, um, if you can believe that, and then... Uh, we we trained up until Christmas and then uh, we had to start it all over again after the, the lockdowns and 
once we got back, it was kind of, you know, uh, just starting from the beginning again. I mean, the girls were, were all doing a lot while we were in lockdown and we were certainly doing a lot um, just in terms of keeping in touch, um, you know, with video links and, and things like that. But it, it's definitely been a, a crazy preparation and very disrupted. And how difficult as well, Melissa, has it been to come into this season? Because a bunch of sides have been brought up into the Premier Division. It's a 10-team competition. It looks very different to what the league looked like two or three years ago uh, when there was eight teams and some of the uh, founding clubs, such as Newtown, are no longer there, or at least in the Premier Division. How difficult Mm -hmm. is it to come in when there's a bunch of new sides and players going left, right and centre? Yeah, I think this season there's been a lot of mix-up just in terms of players changing like like clubs and stuff like that, especially with Newtown and those clubs falling out of the Premier Division. Um, I think it also brings a lot of like a lot more talent to the to our division. Um, it gives those girls the opportunity to play at that level um, that they should be playing at, um, which I think is really great. Um, I think having such a short season and only being able to play each team once makes it a little bit a bit trickier. Um, but I think for the most part, I think it's good. Like it gives everybody that opportunity. Um, it expands the league and we've got, yeah, really good footy players playing in the division that they should be playing in. And just to emphasise that, Mickey, if we take a look at how the ladder finished for the year, you're taking on Manly Warringah. It might be as the ladder shows first versus fifth, but it's only two games separation. In fact, you were locked with the fourth place North Shore uh, on six and three. Both of you only one win behind East Coast and the Southern Power. And again, you were only just one win ahead of Sydney University. Yeah, that's right. It's been, uh, I guess that's the thing when you've got such a short season, you know, you see it in the, the best and fairest folk counts as well, that because it's such a short season, um, you kind of don't have that opportunity to really kind of grind it out um, against those teams, you know. And um, I think also when you look at the top teams, I mean, yeah, Manly's been a, a strong side all year, but come finals footy, um, really it just depends on who turns up on the day. And um, I think that there's been a lot of quality um, sides in that top five. And, uh, you know, I guess you're only as good as your last game of football, aren't you? In a strange way, um, is it almost better coming from the elimination final? As much as, you know, with every game you have to win, otherwise you're out. But you can actually plan ahead knowing that, okay, we realistically have to prepare our bodies, prepare ourselves for four weeks of football. Whereas if we look at the Manly Warringah point of view, week off, win, week off, go back to it again. Yeah, and I can't really comment about their preparation and, and how they're taking that on. But I know for us, we've just been focused on the week that we're preparing for and we're just focusing on getting through each week and not taking anything for granted. And I think especially in this kind of you know COVID normal, I think no one's taking for granted just the opportunity to play football full stop. But I think for us, you know, we haven't been looking too far ahead we've just been looking week to week going right what have we got on this week what do we do to be the best that we can be and to to get all the girls up and about on that melissa in a normal season where we would have had a a longer stint you would have played everyone twice depending on what league it is sometimes you you come around to almost a third time with some teams 
normally you'd, if you have to go through that four-game run, it would be mentally exhausting because that's it. You've played at least a good five months of solid football and the body and the mind and everything's starting to wear down. Considering mm-hmm. if we were to look at this in the context of a normal season, you're almost coming towards the end of the home and away if you think about the numbers of played. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's um, it's been pretty tricky to kind of get a feel for it, but I think for the most part we've 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 got our heads around it. And we're in we're in a good spot. So um, I don't know. Maybe the shorter season is a little bit of an advantage in terms of just keeping your body right and your head right. So I don't know. Maybe it will work out a little bit better having a shorter season. And Melissa, in some ways. As captain, has there been anything more that you've actually learnt about your own side having to perform in this finals pressure? Um, I don't know. I suppose it's very different. Um, I haven't played in final footy for uh, a very long time, probably years. Um, but I think just in terms of the girls, we've got a lot of um, – like our team is quite new in terms of players that we've got um, that have come into the club this year. But I, I feel like the girls have really adapted to the finals footy really well. Um, and I think, I don't know, we've just got to that point at the right time in the season and it just feels like everybody's handling it really well, everybody's clicking really well and we're just on a really good track heading forward. And, and Michaela, yeah, let's talk about some of the players, some that we, names that we've known, that we've seen run around for, for quite a while in Sydney women's football. Two, of course, mm-hmm. uh, jump right out at me. Uh, Lael Cassim, Ka- who's uh, been uh, uh, voted highly uh, numerous times in the Phelan medal. And also Gillian uh, Behan, who we know, of course, uh, who's played on the international stage, quote-unquote, representing uh, the Irish Banshees in the International Cup. Yeah, well, I think that um, both of those girls are playing some some great football. And it's been really nice to see Lael playing her football this year. I think with some more freedom, um, you know, seeing her take the game on, um, it's been really nice to to see her having a run through the mids and and I think just really gelling gelling with the girls. Um, And in terms of Jill, she's been a a fantastic addition to the side this year and, and, you know, along with the other um, Irish girls that that have joined as well. But she certainly adds some speed up forward. And, you know, she's a really good teammate as well. She gets around the girls. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting to, to have her in the side as well. And, hey, Mickey, can you take us through some of those Irish players as well? Because, obviously, I know the AFL Ireland women's competition and Michael Curran there is always keen and eager to know how the Irish women are performing in Australia. Well, I think that uh, Linda Lodge, who's been our, our full forward, has been uh, she's been a great addition as well. Um, she's a really good set of hands up there. And uh, it's funny because she used to uh, be a flatmate with one of our older Irish players uh, that played for us years ago, Marie Keating, uh, who I'm sure is a, a name that everyone would kind of recognise back home as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, that Jill and, and Lodgie have, have certainly been a, a big addition um, with the girls. And another big addition, uh, Melissa Freckleton, has been Rebecca Privatelli. 19 goals named in the best seven times as well. Yeah, she's uh, she's a bit of a legend. I think we're very lucky to have her on board this year and she's just brought so much to our team and our club. And, yeah, she's just an all-round superstar. And for yourself, Melissa, what's it meant to you to bring up recently your 150-game milestone? Oh, it was a bit of a surprise, actually. I, I don't know. I didn't, uh, 
didn't realise that was sneaking up on me. But, yeah, it was really nice. And I think this season it's been a really crazy one. And I think being able to get up and, and get the season running and then having a pretty successful uh, run at it has just been really awesome. So, yeah, it was it, it's, a, it's a nice thing to celebrate this year with the girls, that's for sure. And to get that endorsement of praise, uh, Mickey, can you tell us about, from your perspective as a player, playing alongside Melissa, um, having her lead the club, and for someone to be around for such a long time, 150 games? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there'd be no surprises if we if we said that, you know, Melly always leads from the front, and she's probably one of the smallest bodies out there, but the most courageous. And I think that, you know, what she does as a captain, she does on the field and she really sets the tone for the rest of the girls. So I think that not only how she plays the footy, but also, you know, coaching um, in our youth girls comp as well. Uh, I think that she she does a lot for the club on and off the field. And I think that's invaluable when you look at where the, the club is these days. And can you talk us through... Um some of your better players as well. If I look at times in the best, obviously Melissa's up there, Rebecca's up there, but Erin Todd named in the best seven times out of 11 matches. Uh, Alice Sharon, um, pardon me, Alicia Sharon named in the best seven times out of eight. Yeah, I mean, both of those girls, um, again, new to the club this year. Um, so Erin Todd or, or Toddy, as we know her, uh, she's been a really great leader to come into the, the squad as well. You know, her voice around the ground, I think, is fantastic and, and off the field. And she's got a real knack of finding the footy. Um, you know, you can't tell that this is the first actual season of, of football. And, uh, you know, Ailish Shearer, and she's come across from Newtown this year. And, again, she's just an absolute bull. Um, you know, girls trying to, trying to stop her on the field. She's just a real force. Um, she's actually out with an ACL um, that she sustained a few weeks back um, just before the final series. But um, we'll have her back next year, um, bigger and, and better and, and stronger than ever. But, I mean, both those girls have been outstanding just in terms of um, what they add to that group. And certainly, fingers crossed for her speedy recovery. Melissa? Yeah, that's right. You've you've uh, played against Manly Warringah just the uh, once this season, and if we look back at it, it was a long way ago, back in round three, um, mm-hmm. eight seven to four goals won their victory by thirty points. But if you look at yeah. it quarter by quarter, this wasn't a blowout. They just got the better of you. I'm guessing probably with wind advantage in the second and fourth quarters of that game. Is there any lessons you can learn from that match, or is it just a case of it's so long ago, everything has to be a clean slate coming into this Saturday? Um, I think, yeah, it was a long time ago in terms of this season. Um, and I think our girls, like, we've we've come a long way from that, that first game against them. And uh, I think, in all honesty, that probably wasn't one of our best games, that's for sure. But, yeah, I think our girls have come a long way, and that was a long time ago in this season. So... This weekend, it's going to be a, a whole new thing, I think. They've got some good players in their side with experience. I look at Emily Goodser and uh, Lisa Steen, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you think is probably going to be your biggest challenge to try and keep an eye on this weekend? That, okay, if we can start to cover these one or two players, we're on the right track. Yeah, I think um, Goodser and Steen, they are really solid quality players. Um, I think... Good, sir. She's just like so strong through the midfield. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on her, I suppose, and just trying to shut her run down through there. 
Um, and same with Steen, like she she finds herself in the right right spots at the right time, and she's super fast. So I think those two we'll be keeping an eye on, trying to shut them down as best we can. Um, but yeah, we'll just see how we go on the day and and, and see how how it's looking out there. And Mickey, from your point of view, who's come on probably at the right time from the Inner West Magpies that maybe have had a slower start to the season or have just made their debut at this level this year, but have really grown as, as the gangs have become more important and important? Well, geez, I think I'd, um, I'd have to talk about, um, you know, Elise Glynn, our ruck. Um, she's been a real um, developing player this year. You know, she's tall, she's athletic, and she certainly works around the ground as an extra midfielder. And um, I think she's been really fantastic. And I think when you see some of our youth girls coming through, you know, um, Laura Marshall came out of our youth girls program um, a couple of years ago, and you've got, you know, Madeline Convery and Ella Head. Those girls have all um, have all really started to kind of show their skill at a senior level, and it, it's been really nice to see those girls coming through. Um, but I think that they're starting to really find their feet in the seniors. And Melissa, I'll leave the final question with you. After such a long career, you said many highlights were on the GWS list. You got to tour America with the Aussie Sparks, 150 games uh, with the club, with the uh, Inner West Magpies. What would it mean to you personally that come the final siren on Saturday, you've taken a side in a finals campaign from fifth to the premiership and next to your name forever, it would state Melissa Freckleton, premiership captain. Oh, I don't know. It gets me in the feels already just thinking about it. Um, the club means a lot to me, um, obviously. Sorry. You know what? It would mean a lot. And I think uh, this season has just been unreal and the girls have been fantastic. So it would mean as much to them as it does to me. And I think that's the most important bit. I think, uh, I think we've got a lot of people on board that this means a lot to and that's that's really awesome. I think that's really cool. Well, Melissa and Michaela, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best for this Saturday as you take on the Manly Baringa Wolves in the grand final of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Peter. Been playing for a while. Sweet kicks. Because footy makes you smile. Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks Football. Time to turn our attention now to the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Grand Final but who played this Saturday night. And it's a replay of last year's Grand Final, the Quimbian Tigers versus the Balcona Magpies. And it's great to have on the line the captain of the minor premiers. They're looking to go back-to-back, Carly Rez of the Quimbian Tigers. Carly, how are you? 
I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. How are the nerves as you count down the sleeps to Saturday night? Uh, personally, they're pretty good. Um, pretty controlled at the moment. I think the more I think about it, obviously, the more they increase. But just trying to stay focused at the moment, get through this week. And um, all we can do is worry about it on the day, really. It's almost like you're prepared for this time of year because you're actually not looking just for back-to-back. You're looking for your third flag in four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a few of us in the team who will be going for that, um, which is really exciting. Um, I think, too, this game, obviously, it's a rematch from last year. So I think it's going to it's going to be that next level. It's going to be bigger. And um, I think even the quality of football's just stepped up another notch. So it's going to be really exciting. Before we break down, obviously, the individual players and uh, your matchups against Balconnan, uh, personally, how's the squad feeling? Because you're coming into this grand final not off the back of something like 14 or 15 games plus a finals, but everyone playing um, only a handful of games, a shortened season due to COVID-19. Yeah, look, um, I think we're, we're feeling good um, as a team. Um, we've We've been focusing both on the field and off the field, doing what we need to to um, to get in shape, especially make sure that we're fit. And um, I think injuries too um, this season have, have been a, a big a big issue. Um, I think uh, um, amongst all grades. So it's just making sure that um, physically physically we're in good condition. And um, yeah, we'll just go from there. A squad that's got plenty of experience in it once I start to rattle off the names. And when I say experience, not necessarily by age, but by the higher level of football that they've played. Uh, first of all, one of your standouts this year, being named in the best seven times, uh, was briefly on the list at the Essendon VFLW team, Eloise Ashley Cooper. Yeah. Fantastic year from her so far. How is she looking coming into the uh, grand final? Yeah, look, it's been fantastic having Eloise up. Um, she's she's come up also as a cousin of our first grade men's um, captain. Um, she's just she's just an amazing person as well as a player, and we yeah we're just grateful that she's come on board with us for the season. We've had a lot of fun, and I think she's actually been able to bring a lot of knowledge um, and just some different ideas up as well. So um, we're really grateful that um, Eloise jumped on board with us. Also, you've got in there Ella Ross. Yeah, look, um, Elders, she's an amazing person as well, um, amazing player. She also brings a lot of knowledge. Um, as someone who's played up in the ASLW, she's just a great leader as well. Um, she's helped me um, through the last two years as captain and yeah, she's just a solid player all round. Another one, obviously, with AFLW experience, Alexia Hamilton. 33 yeah, goals. Le- Le- yeah, she's incredible. Um, she's just amazing to watch as well, especially coming out of that forward line. Um, I think she's really developed as a player too. Um, learnt a lot um, with her season up at the Gold Coast and just developed as a player and a person as well. So I'm really excited to see what all three girls can bring this weekend. Um, And, yeah, look, I'm just grateful to be on their team and not against them. (laughs) (laughs) And the player who, if I remember correctly from last year, I think the nickname at the Pies for her was Meatball, uh, Jessica Stramendanoli. There you go. Learn something new every day. I didn't know that. But, um, look, 
Strama is a weapon. Um, she's white line fever, which I love about her. Loves her football. And look, our team, we're, we're a great group of friends as well. Um, we're not just teammates. And um, I think Stram, Stram's just a happy happy face always to um, to have around the club and she'll give it she'll give it 110 percent every game and I think she'll she'll give 120 this weekend so again excited to see how she goes and just continuing a bit of that Victorian flavor in the side uh, was playing at Melbourne University Ruby grounds uh, named to the best four times this year and has kicked 15 goals yeah <laughs> I, I think Rubes is um Ruben's a fantastic player. She's a unique player as well. She reads reads the ball really well. Again, another happy face. Um, always around the club. Brings brings leadership as well. Um, both herself um, and Els as well, both in the leadership group, which is fantastic. And just brings that um, brings composure as well, not only to the game but just to our to our squad as well. So. Another one that we were um, really grateful to get on board. Having a look at the most recent results against the Belcon and Magpies, there were two comfortable victories. In round nine, you won by 72 points. And then in the major semi final, to get the week off and go straight through to the grand final, you won by 53 points. Both occasions, great fast starts by the sides, virtually blowing out the lead by half time. Yeah, look, I think we surprised ourselves as well. Um, going into both games. Um, but look, finals finals is a totally different um, totally different game all round. It's you, you can't pick it and you can't go into it um, thinking that you've got it in the bag. Uh, you you have to do the preparation. You have to be mentally and physically ready to go. So who knows um, what the day will bring really. And how weird does that actually feel? Because coming into this grand final, being a grand final replay, you are the hunted. You are the side that you've got, not only have you had it all through a year, the target on your back, but for a Balconnen team coming in, for them, they've got the grudge. You got them last year, so they've got that little bit of extra motivation. Yeah, yeah, look, um, I guess it's, I guess it's like any team, you kind of go in with a clean slate. Um, this it's a big dance, as they say, um, and yeah, it might be a grudge, but at the same time, we all have respect for each other um, amongst this comp. And look, they'll be hungry. We'll be hungry. So um, I think it's just going to be a great game. It's going to be a tough, good, clean, hard game of football. Is there anything out of Belconnen's win against uh, East Lake over the weekend, the preliminary final, which uh, I'm guessing either A, you would have been live that, or B, you, you would have watched the stream of that maybe caught your eye, saying, okay, that's something we've got to think about? Um, well, I have to be really honest with you, Peter. I actually haven't watched it. Um, personally, uh, for myself and my game, and um, I, I don't tend to watch too much. Um, I'll watch it here and there. Um, games before um, coming up against them, but look, yeah, I'm not quite sure how they played. I got a few few ideas from um, from teammates, but look, we'll just go in and play our game, and that's that's what it's about. Um, it's making sure that we play our game, our structures, and um, play for play for each other as well, and our, and our club, um, which is something we really pride ourselves on is our culture. Talking about your game, you just recently passed the 100-game milestone. I did, yes. Yeah. Um, it's been a, 
been a few years coming, but um, finally got there, which is exciting. What's probably your um, your your biggest highlight when you look back over that one hundred game career? Oh, look, winning grand finals is always awesome, but I think it's just the friendships as well that um that I've gained throughout the years. Uh, so many girls who who have come through that um yeah who who would be lifelong friends. Um, the culture, and I think to um, the person I've become, um, it's really helped with my leadership. Um, and yeah, I'm just—I I can't really pick one to be honest, Peter. Um, there's too many, really too many. But look, always winning a flag is nice. Well, Carly, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Strandrels Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. And we wish you and the Quimbian Tigers all the very best as this Saturday night you take on the Balcon and Magpies and you'll aim to go back-to-back. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you soon. And joining us on the line now here at the Women's Strand Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. It's great to have on the line the coach of the Balconan Magpies in Bobby Moroney. Bobby, how are you? Good, thanks, Peter. Great to have you on the line for yourself personally. How are you feeling as you're starting to count down the sleeps to this Saturday's grand final against Quimbian? Yeah, we're uh, we're pretty excited. We had um, had a good training session last night, and uh, the girls are really excited about uh, the opportunity to get out there on Saturday and um, and look for redemption after uh, last year's loss. Indeed, you met last year. Quimbian got the chocolates. How much has that been motivation? Not just right now coming into this grand final, but I guess burning in the stomach through the preseason. I think for us, it's it's mainly been focusing on the things that we can control, which is just our own prep and, and looking at how we can improve um, week at a time. Last year was, was something that um, certainly burns for a lot of the girls, but it's a, a different side. Um, this is my first year coaching the group. Um, so we, we really just wanted to, I guess, set the scene and, and take each challenge as, as they come. And there were plenty of those challenges this year. Indeed, how was it trying to prepare a side twice due to COVID-19? Preparing during a, a normal pre-season, running up to March, everything's ready to go and then everything has to stop. Um, that, that certainly was challenging, more so the disappointment. Um, we had a really good, uh, would have been six to eight week period leading up to um, that, that first stop and um and the group were feeling really good about themselves. Um, we were all starting to gel um, quite well as a complete squad, now um, including our second grade t- side. And um, when when we got told the first time that uh, we had to stop and there was really was that uncertainty about how it was going to look moving forward, um, you know, we, we were a bit unsure as to do we continue to try and prepare ourselves? How do we go about training individually? Um, and then when we finally come back together, the challenge was how do we train an entire group of, of women in groups of nine? Um, so my focus was to try and make sure that we stayed together as a, as a group as much as we could. We trained in our small groups, um, took it as a challenge, and, and the girls really uh, took it in their stride. They they focused on trying to make sure that um, they, they developed their craft, that they listened to all of the, the different thoughts that we had about how we're going to play during the year and we continued to just focus on the fact that the season was going to go ahead and 
Um, luckily for us, it, it did. Um, everything was good in, in the ACT and um, we were one of the lucky ones around the country that was able to get a season underway. I want to talk about that in a moment, about the team trying to gel and team spirit because normally the one great thing about sport, and it doesn't matter if you play at the top level right through to, to grassroots to the absolute bottom division in any sport, it's that social aspect. Everyone training together as a group, after training, having something to eat and drink together, same on match days. How is it that when everyone's got to be split up, as you said, into groups of nines, and essentially, like we heard in South Australia and in Queensland, as soon as training's done, you can't go in the change rooms, you've got to get in the car and you've got to go, go straight home. Yeah, we um, we made sure that we stayed connected just through, through chat. I um, I would try and give um, a couple of Zoom sessions um, at times. Um, even during the season when, when we were playing, I'd always be giving them feedback on how the side went, um, areas that worked, areas that didn't, and then encouraged the girls to reach out to me and, and ask me if there was anything that, that we could work um, on individually in the lead-up to games. Um, the group has, has been together. The vast majority of the group have been together for a couple of years now. So um, outside of um, the club and outside of training and, and everything else, um, there's, there's a strong bond amongst the group that ensured that you know communication was still good, that people were still, um, you know, enjoying the, their football and looking forward to what the season um, had to offer. Um, and I think that that bond is really what um, what's helped us get through um, that early part of the year um, and certainly strengthened our resolve as uh, the, the latter part of the year rolled on. How do you also balance development and winning in such a short season? Obviously, if you've got a longer season, let's say you're playing a 15-game stretch, there'll be some stage either in the middle of the year or if you've got your final spot banked away early, maybe towards the latter part of the year, where the fringe players, you might start bringing them through, giving them a few more games, throwing them a bit more time in the midfield, etc., and trying a few more things. Whereas when you've got that shortened season, how do you balance trying to bring them in while at the same time trying to make sure you get enough game time obviously into your stars and better players? Yeah, we um, we mainly just focused on how we can improve from week to week. Um, even though we would have, we may have a, a big win against um, a side one Saturday, that wasn't enough for us. And we want to identify what were the areas that we could still improve on, um, both individually and then as a collective group. Um, and a lot of the girls really bought into um, that focus and, and not settling for the fact that we may have had a big win. Um, again, it goes back to what I said at the start about things that we can control. And the result, once that's done, we couldn't control that, but we could control how we went about our football moving forward. So we're always trying to find little areas where we could improve um, and then reassess at the end of the, the next game. Let's talk through some of your better players that you've had across uh, the 11 games so far. Um, I, I talk of Amber Allen and Emily Peace. Uh, both of them have been named in the best seven times this year. Um, so Amber Allen, our uh, captain, is, is definitely the, um, the standard for our, our side. Her, her communication and her, her leadership on the field um, can't be bought. Um, a lot of the girls see um, not just what Amber... Um, does on the field, but they react as soon as um, as soon as she calls for a little bit of extra effort, um, and they're inspired by the way that she goes about her football, not just on game day, but 
um, at training and, and how she tries to bring the, the group together as a whole. Um, Emily Pease is, is an outstanding talent. She uh, has been working hard um, right through the off-season. Um, she had a, her combine uh, last week uh, and, and with the draft this week, uh, we're certainly hoping that uh, you know, that she'll get picked up, but her focus has always been team first. Um, and whether it's at training or it's it's on game day, um, Emily's always um, looking to make sure that whatever she can do when the moment presents itself, she does for the team. Um, and I think that it's that attitude and the way that she goes about her football is going to put her uh, or, or give her a great opportunity moving forward in her career. And can you talk about the year? A couple of familiar names that people will know. Maggie Gorham, um, she's kicked 11 goals this year, named five times in the best. And leading the goal kicking for the year, Hannah Wallet, 35 goals, named six times in the best. Yeah, um, Hannah Wallet has been fantastic, not just um, as far as kicking the goals first and being a, a focal point up forward, but um, she's been bringing a lot of people um, into the play um, throughout the year. And it hasn't just been about identifying that one person in that forward 50. Uh, and we've been lucky that on uh, several occasions we've had multiple goal kickers each game. And a lot of that is due to the, the work that, that Wally's done to try and, and bring people uh, close to the contest and then protect them as, as uh, the ball is fed out. Maggie Gorham, um, I think that her her uh, experience and, and her results speak for themselves. She, um, you know, she was able to come back um, this year um, from the GWS Giants, um, and she's she's just played with some some freedom um, this year. She hasn't really um, there hasn't been an expectation on her to deliver as an AFLW player, um, and I think that she's enjoyed that fact that she can just get back to enjoying community football and just playing football for the love of it. Um, and that's that's really fed into uh, a lot of the girls who who certainly look at the quality that Maggie brings to the side and feel that that's something that they can achieve as well. Ali Morford and uh, Melissa Palo said to have hit form at the right time of the year. Absolutely. Ali's uh, work, work out of the, the ruck has been uh, really important for us. Uh, get the ball down to the likes of Jackie Spence and Zoe Allen um, and, and clearing that ball has been really critical for us. Um, and Mel Palo across that half-back line um, has been safe as houses. She'll um, she'll drop back, she'll um, intercept the ball and then have a little bit of composure about where she needs to deliver it um, and certainly getting the ball out to our wings and um, to players like Natasha Mackay off the half-back flank has um, is allowed us to transition quickly from defence into attack. And Emma Zouch has had a handy year with 18 goals. Yeah, she certainly has. She, um, she pops up every now and then and when she leads for the ball, she leads harder than uh, than just about anyone else in the league. I think she um, she's quick off off the mark, and uh, and even though she's quite small in stature, she'll um, she takes some some strong marks, um, and it, it's uh, it's going to be hard to match up on her on Saturday. So what's the mindset coming into the grand final against Quimbian? Obviously, as you spoke about the top, revenge is on the cards for, for what happened last year. But if we look closer into the scores from the uh, major semi-final and when you played them just before the finals hit, um, OK, on the bare facts, when you look at the final score, yes, a big handy win on both occasions to Quimbian. But if you look closer into it, they virtually just got away from you in the first half of both games. But in the second half of both matches, you applied the breaks to them. Is the messaging simply, if we're with them at half time, we're a show? 
I think um, the messaging that I've been trying to, to push and, and start to get there is that we can't give a side with a quality of Queanbeyan that head start. Um, as you point out, we've, we've been able to demonstrate that we can compete at, at the highest level um, in our competition for long periods of the game. But we haven't been able to gel four quarters together, certainly not this year. Um, and we've played them um, three times now, um, if we include the, the qualifying final a couple of weeks ago. So right now, it's about our girls making sure that their focus is right um, from the very beginning of the game and that they're not worrying about what's happened in the past and that you know opportunity is there for them to take it uh, on Saturday. And if they, they attack the game the way that they do every other side in, in the league, um, it's more than just um, you know being there and, and having an opportunity to win the game. They, they've got, got a real chance to do something that we haven't been able to do. And you know we're celebrating our 20 years this year and it'd be amazing to, to cap it off with... Uh, with a premiership. And finally, before we let you go, what would it mean to you personally, first year in charge of the Balcon and Magpies women's team, if you're able to help them turn the tables, get revenge on Gwimbian and take the premiership? Uh, look, for me, I think um, I would just love to be able to see them uh, achieve some success for a lot of the hard work that they've done. Um, you know, around the country, there's a lot of talk about 2020 not being um, a year as, as tough as as a normal football season. Um, but I kind of disagree with that. I think that this is probably one of the toughest situations that, that any team's found themselves in. And the fact that we've been stop-start, we've we've gone through um, different challenges as the years rolled on and, and to be able to stand there on Saturday and, and see the enjoyment in, in our team's face because they've been able to, you know, get through that adversity and, and come out the other side, um, I think that that would be great. And, and I've said to them from the start that it's not about just a, a single season. We need to make sure that we're setting something up for the long term. And uh, a win this week would be a, a great start to how that, uh, that future looks. Well, Bobby, thanks very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's Digital Channel Carnival. And we wish you and the Belcon and Magpies all the very best as you take on the Quimbian Tigers this Saturday night in Canberra. Thanks very much, Peter. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival for yet another week. We'll be back next week to take a look at the Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final and a quick preview of the USAFL Virtual Nationals, which will be held on Friday, October 16th. Don't forget this podcast is every Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival and streamed at the same time via rsn.net.au and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. Or later on, you can download it as a podcast. Just Google search Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. You'll find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Deezer, and the iHeartRadio website and app. And, of course, our website, warfradio.com. I'm Peter Holden. Until next week, it's bye for now.